In the back of my mind, Christian life was a treadmill. We just slowly turned the treadmill up. Crisis is not our enemy. In fact, nothing good happens without crisis. We see people living in a kind of way that we would like to follow, charting a kind of route. I guess I'd gone from worshipping the waves that God made to worshipping the God who made the waves, and surely that's got to be so much more inspiring. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of the Anson's Podcast. I don't know what you do when you're not listening to us. I assume just wait. Maybe go listen to old episodes like reading favorite books. But don't worry, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what's happened here in the office. <laughs> it's going to be Tuesday. Whether you listen to it on Tuesday or not, that's up to you. Yeah, we just had a one-time slip. But we are here to talk about ourselves and actually to also talk about yourselves. We have this key category that we've been thinking about around here, which is self-knowledge that in as much as we're meant to be students of the kingdom, we're meant to be students of the heart of God, we're meant to be students learning on purpose the hearts of the people we love, especially wives, especially close friends. We really believe that that starts with our own hearts. And it reminds me, Sam, of when you came back from the Allender Center doing your lay counselor training, there was just a topic that was about how you treat people versus how you treat your own heart. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, something I really appreciated from that time there was in that particular realm of engaging other people, one thing that they they say is you you can't take anyone somewhere you haven't gone yourself. And while that was spoken in a context of counseling and kind of interceding on other people's behalf of going into story, I think it really applies in like basic conversations and you can't invite others into any form of self-knowledge or self-awareness or growth of any kind if you haven't also gone there. We use the term blind, leading the blind, but it's a bit like me trying to teach someone acrobatics having never done it. Like yes. what would you what, what you'd be out of your mind to think that that's possible. And so uh, that was a that was a definite aspect that I was thinking of coming away from that time and have thought about a lot since then in terms of knowing our stories, knowing what the motivations are. And I can hear the voices of a lot of people whether that's whether they're real or not saying, you know, I'm just not very observant. I'm not I don't really like spending time in my own story. I I, I just kind of am the way I am and There's a a frivolousness about that. Uh, Take the example of journaling. For years, I would make it a practice to journal, and that's not a habit most people do. I think if you were to ask, have you tried writing down what's happened to you this day, what your thoughts were, and all that kind of thing, most people would go, oh, like I've heard that's a really good practice, and I've definitely heard people encourage me to do it, but I don't. I'm just not a journaler. I don't write those kind of things. And I haven't been a journaler for years, though I was really consistently in particular seasons. And it's just a really interesting practice to get into. And I think there's an ebb and flow of knowing ourselves, right? And what I mean by that is there are seasons when going into your story is a very personal and solitary thing. And then there are seasons where the presence of other people, like a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, children, 
community, like that can be a tool that lets us into new aspects of ourselves. Absolutely. So the question that I want to put out for us to think about in this podcast is just a brief example of what is helping you understand your own heart right now? Where is some of the frontier of your self-knowledge? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And it's one that uh, when I think of right now, it's funny that I, I actually think five years ago, I, I think all the way back to Killing Lions and the frustration that I was feeling, Susie and I had been just really really fresh marriage, you know, first first year. And the frustration I would feel at this mirror that was brought into my life that was, I, I called it like something from Beauty and the Beast because not only does it reflect to you yourself and the ways that you behave, but it offers its opinions on yourself and the ways that you behave. And like, oh man, was that disruptive. Like I thought that I had been, you know, a pretty good, I thought like I've been a pretty self-aware and decent person but having someone else in that close proximity man that that was the beginning of and truly it's continuing of, of new ways of understanding my impact on other people when i think of you know knowing thyself i think of the the great ancients and all that kind of thing but having a child now the image that i've derived from it is that it reveals all of the cracks all of the ways like it just puts pressure on what is what actually is your threshold of patience? And how actually do you handle your own heart and the ways that you interact? And who is it that said, you will only treat the people closest to you as good as you treat your own heart? And it will begin revealing to you the ways that you actually treat yourself. You can treat strangers super generously, but your children, your wife, and this is, you know, this goes both ways. Are you super intense? Are you super demanding? Do you want to give them a lot of space, like you just end up treating the people particularly close to you the way that you have treated yourself. And that has been super revealing. Yeah, I've got a recent example there. I think of pieces of self-understanding to come to mind, and they both come to the avenue of close friends and my wife. The last two weeks have been just really busy. Actually, the last three weeks, maybe longer, but there was a captivating retreat a couple weeks ago that Em was able to go to, but I had Ailish, and it was, you know, a wonderful weekend and a weekend with a lot of back and forth and activity and putting our logistics mode into high gear. Next weekend, we had a lot of communal catch-up where you've been gone, so you're trying to kind of get back up to speed. We're also not living in our own house right now, which is kind of this huge disadvantage to your rhythm and tends to stretch you a little more thin because drop-bys go off you know, the calendar and the ordinary things that Em and I would do to stabilize our time haven't been as present. So it's several nights ago, and Ailish, our daughter, is finally fallen asleep, and Em has a lot of emotion, and she kind of turns to me and goes, I'm nervous to say this. I want this to be taken well. don't want to be throwing more on you. But I'm aware that we need you to lead us into rest and we need you to lead us into Sabbath that's going to be sacrificial and very inconvenient and it's going to require us to cut things from our life on a regular basis in a methodical way because I can't do it myself. I'm trying and we're just not able without you beginning to lean into this. And 
I think it was really helpful because I was lying there and I am aware simply that I don't need, or it feels like, in quotes, I don't need rest as often as some of the people around me, especially not as often as my wife. And I think it introduces this tension of self-knowledge because I've done this and I've had friends who do this, who they learn something about themselves and then use it to kind of dismiss areas of their life that actually need work. Like, oh, I'm just not a very outgoing person. That's why I never text you. And it kind of goes like, I'm glad you understand that about yourself, but it doesn't excuse never initiating communication. I think in my case, I was able, I'm able to go, wow, and look at, man, like other people, I would basically rather do anything than nothing. And I'm trying to catch up in so many places that Sabbath just gets pushed off the table. And I think there's the one place that I could come in and go, well, you know, babe, I don't think I rest the way you rest and use that to dismiss the conversation and go, we'll rest then in activities that I like, or you can find a way that you're going to recharge and it'll be different. But I think allowing the moment to actually go, well, you're pointing out something to me about myself that I do not incline towards Sabbath, that a day with nothing in it is like a punishment to me. And then why is that? And how can I actually, starting from that self-understanding, end up at a place where I'm actually pursuing my wife into rest and leading our family in a way that has these, like, kind of foundational breaks that allow us to live from Sabbath? I think day-to-day and even week-to-week, because I feel fine, it's not something I ever need to look at until I come into a relationship with another person who it's affecting. And just as you said, kind of letting their feedback actually tell me about my own heart and then looking at the reasons for why that is rather than using a bit of information to dismiss something that needs some work and growth in me is one area that a little self-evaluation is producing helpful things in my life as a person in relationship. Yeah, so something I'm struck by as we are unpacking this is what someone might hear when you ask the question of how well do you know yourself? There's the dimensions of your story and the ways that you respond to things. There's probably some area of growth that you are painfully aware of at this particular point in time. I don't know how many moments I have been frustrated that there's just always something to be worked on. I want to be like, and now I'm done, and now I'm like the perfect form of myself. But... I have yet to achieve my my final form, apparently. Ways that we talk about ourselves in terms of personality can often be that like self-defensive, uh, a term we use at bootcamp says it's the modern fig leaf, that your personality is often crafted to kind of help protect you and get you through things. And I hear that in your temptation with Emily to say like, oh, I just do this differently than you do. Therefore, you're kind of on your own in this. That feels more like a personality thing. Then there's all the personality tests, right? We, as a society, love categories. We love lists, you know, like which type of Jedi are you and which house in Harry Potter do you belong in? And are you an ENFJP? Are you a, a six, a one, a four on the Enneagram? And we as a group just did the Strengths Finder. And that was actually really interesting uh, because as I was describing it to someone the other day, it felt very different than the personality type test. Like my Myers-Briggs has changed. 
my EI kind of goes back and forth depending on the season and how much is required of me. What's different about this like strengths finder thing is that it doesn't feel quite as personality driven. It feels more like your deeper motivations. And that has been really interesting and, and really revealing. And I think these tests are probably super helpful at different points in time. And this just happens to be the one that's helpful for me now. This episode is in no way sponsored by the Strengths Finder, but if they want to kick something out, I will be open to it. I'm sure they're doing just fine without me. Uh, now they need us. Yeah, it's just—it's been really interesting. I think it's something we're going to end up doing as a staff of just of knowing that there are particular aspects of yourself that, when you operate in certain ways with people, with thinking, with executing, you will be invigorated and strengthened. You'll lose track of time. It's not going to be a drain. And there are other ways you can operate where you just get to the end of the day and you're exhausted. And there's this part of me that sort of goes, wait, there's there's an option to get to the end of the day and not be exhausted? Isn't that a day where you just didn't outpour everything? Like, well, yeah, no, it's actually possible. You know, there are times when you have to go around and meet everyone in a room. And there are times when you need to have a one-on-one with someone. For some of us, the one-on-one is going to be energizing and the group is going to be exhausting. And for others, it's the opposite. And so as I think about knowing ourselves and taking people places that you have gone, like the challenge here is really to be open to all those kind of dimensions. If you've done the personality tests and if you know what your spirit animal is, that's great. But the question then might be for the season, like what are some ways that you are learning about your effect on other people? And can you hear it? And can you ask to hear what your effect is? I don't know. That, that's, I don't know that I want to ask that question. Yeah, that's a, such a doozy. I even wince a little bit as I hear you talking about that. Because the other thing that I'm aware of in looking at my own life is maybe it was Dallas Willard, but it's someone like him who says action reveals belief 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's there's understanding, you know, my personality and my constitution that I would rather, in your language, I haven't done the Strengths Finder yet, looking forward to it, I hope I get all the good ones, but there's, you know, this element of achieve that I identify with of when I do get up in the morning, like, I want to start ticking off things. And I'll think, you know, I'm a list aficionado, and I love, you know, having... Every day, like the five-minute journal related to my work, and then I'll, you know, separate that into like, what are the three things that I view as most important to the projects I'm working on today? Start there and just have this like, boom, 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 boom. I am knocking this day down. That's a very helpful thing to, to know about myself in order to make decisions on purpose and not simply be constrained by my constitution. And to be aware of the fact that you're operating out of that and not everybody else is and how that would be affecting other people who don't have that particular gift. I mean, I can think of the number of times that I, Sam and I share an office for those of you listening. And what this means for Sam is that on a semi-regular basis, not quite daily, like there's a morning speech that <laughs> this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to work. Not quite daily, Blaine, literally every day. A lot of days <laughs> I, I, I have in the room. really good ideas. And Blaine swivels in his chair and he looks at me with this sort of energized and semi-crazed expression in his eyes and goes, okay, 
So, and I'm like, wait. Usually before you've sat down. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. These are helpful things to know about yourself. As an aside, uh, we're we're sort of in the middle of a long-term experiment. What happens when you put two human beings who are brothers in a shared space and lock the door? And I guess you get a podcast. Yeah, and a lot of other things. (laughs) Returning to the action reveals belief. So there's the part that's my personality. And there's the part that's my constitution, my my makeup that includes that achievement thing. And then there's this other thing, which is my belief, which is where are things actually getting formed? Like, what do I believe about people? What do I believe about God? Because belief is so flexible. And I think that the community in which Em and I met had this, this huge emphasis on, like, it's the root fruit model. It's dig into asking people the questions of, like, what would a life look like of someone who believed all of the realities of Jesus and like listing on this whiteboard, like how incredible it would be. And then asking the people like, okay, and how many of these things are revealed in your life? Generosity towards others, you know, desire to experience union with God, taking the battle seriously, and then being like, okay, so not very many of these things. I guess we don't actually believe that and, you know, needing to push in. For example, I have some friends in town that Emma and I are kind of regularly inviting into. They're inside our community, like the various rhythms of play and connection for our little house church. And they're not, they're usually not available or it doesn't work out. And when I was hanging out with them recently, they were like, you know, we really, we want to be there and we, we love your church and we love the people in it, but it's not, you know, we're like, we're sorry that we can't make it. And I'm kind of sitting there going like, do you realize actually it is true that action reveals belief. And so there are the things that you think you believe about community, but then there's the reality that like you're not engaging. I think one place that in trying to look at like various areas of my life, one that's getting some attention right now is friendship. And it is, you know, what are my explicit beliefs or at least my verbalized convictions? Not quite sure how to put it because I don't actually believe these things. But what are the assumptions I think I have about friendship? Like, oh, man, you need a core group of guys and it's and they're worth sacrificing for. And it takes a lot of showing up over time and even that play is worth it. But I got to have a friend in our community. This is my shout out to you, Zion. Don't think you listen to this podcast, but he's that guy in the community who gets play, who, you know, he and his wife are always hosting a thing or there's like the weekly invitation to come be a part of this volleyball game. And like, as he was pointing out to me recently, like in a joking way, but you know what they say about truths being revealed in jest, like, hey, you've never come to a volleyball game ever. And then needing to take that and go back and go like, wow, I really know that play is important. We just did a podcast on it with Ransomed Heart about it. And then, but me looking at and going, and yet, what my action reveals is the belief that play can be sacrificed for anything else. Man, this is so good. This is something that I was really struck by in reading Dan Allender's book, To Be Told, which is like, knowing your own story. And he was, I think I've referenced this before, maybe in season one, but he was talking about how the same action piece of, he used the example with food, that he cares about his weight and his health. But when things get difficult, 
what you say versus what you do is really revealing, right? So when he has a hard day, this is his example, when it's been a tough day or hard conversation, food becomes a source of comfort. And then what you actually are valuing is the comfort of food in the moment, like the the cookies, the chips, the whatever, in this his particular example, rather than long-term health or diet. Because if what he really valued was that, then when push comes to shove and other annoying expressions like that, that's what he would do is that he would be like, okay, I'm really going to take solace in is the fact that I'm dieting. But instead, when things get difficult, what he really values is comfort. And he had just had to have the the fortitude, the strength of character to name that about himself. And that's what I'm hearing your story now of like that, that action reveals belief, like all of this, like when it comes to community relationship and your example play to go, yeah, no, I value these things, but you never do it. Like, well, yeah, but I value it. Like, well, no, actually what you value is something else. Totally. I think it's really, I'm really grateful for categories, concrete areas to think about in terms of my action revealing my belief. And and it's wherever, like, where's the tension season to season? And right now it's in a few areas. Like one of them is in time with God. So what do I think is true about the importance of time with God in a person's life? And I actually think it is everything. It is the relationship from which everything else is going to come. It's going to be formative to the rest of my time. And then looking at like, okay, this is a big one that if I'm not doing it and I'm kind of finding that I don't actually believe that or don't actually want to, that needs to be chased down big time. I think the other one that is up there in the other two that are as core, one's a repeat. One is a warfare worldview. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I need to be reconvinced that warfare is a thing. I need to have the whole paradigm explained to me about every six weeks or less. Every morning. Yeah, because like, you know, I'm like, man, it's a battle. I'm a warrior. I want to be someone who rises up. But then like... Well, the first thing that happens with that is the fog sets in. Oh my it's gosh. It's not real. It's just you. And you're like, what? I don't want to deal with this. It's all that. Totally. And having to fight to like get my belief back about like, no, 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 no. I know what is true. I renounce untrue beliefs, sometimes known as agreements. And I know that if I submit to God and resist this, you will flee. I know that it will be good, like having to do that. So time with God, how am I engaging warfare? And then I think the third growth one is like, how am I engaging people and needing to look at, you know, like who are the people that I actually think are like a real priority for me right now? Where are the friendships where growth is happening and where are the friendships where I'm long-term committed kind of a thing? And then look at if I believed that those were a core piece of my wellness and a core piece of my mission, how would I engage with them? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, like I'd find ways to be around those guys and I would share what was difficult. And sometimes that's true, but a lot of the time, you know, I'll see guys on a Sunday morning that I haven't seen for a while and be excited and how are things going? But I'm reminded of like, oh, wow, little self-knowledge here. What do I believe about friendship? And then what would it look like to actually address that belief or unbelief so that it's changed? Totally, yeah. So something I'm struck by in here is you're speaking from a place where conviction and awareness inspires action 
rather than inspiring shame and inaction where you just fold inward of, hey, did you know that you say you value these things, but you behave these ways? And upon hearing that, you shut down and you give way to just, man, I'm just a crappy person. If that's more of where you are, like I want this to be a, like a low barrier of entry and it has different tiers to it. So the first one is probably how much of your action and your story and yourself are you aware of? And if it's not much, then a good starting place would probably be to pick up a book like To Be Told or like something from Dallas Willard that helps you to begin processing how your actions are connected to your beliefs. And, you know, maybe there is something to a strengths finder. But if you're past that, then you get to these categories that we're talking here of, well, I know these things about myself, or I know that these actions and beliefs are all connected. Then I can be aware of, I always forget that it's guy's night on Tuesday night. And what that reveals is I don't value it. And what me not valuing it reveals is that I like to withdraw from relationships and not actually engage. And what I want to do is the opposite. So something as small as not remembering every week can, instead of inspiring shame, inspire a little bit more self-knowledge, which can then influence the way I behave. It's cute. I think of the one piece that I would add is it's easy to go to, well, I just need to be different. I've realized this about myself, and man, that has never worked. Like, the fact that I've realized about myself that I don't actually tend to, like, reach out to my friends that much and being like, well, I'll just set reminders on my phone that I'm going to send that guy a text message, and I think, uh, you know... <laughs> How does that work? Well, it's not... Compulsion is just the worst I just need thing to be different. for change. Yeah, <laughs> the worst motivator. It's an ineffective motivator. Whereas I think the two things riding together of like repentance and healing, those two things of when we're talking about belief and we're talking about what, what I value, like to get in there, there are things that just need to be like, wow, you know, repentance and breaking agreements, like that's a huge one. And then also to have the one of you're you're trying to get in there in order to get access probably to heal something around, in my case, you know, the degree to which I'm willing to dive into friendships and going like, where is that formed? Well, I know for a fact in my story that it's formed around some pretty substantial relational disappointments that God is trying to get access to so that I can relate in freedom and desire with the people that are in my world right now, not so that I can get in there realize that I'm not that great a friend and just try to muscle it out and try harder. So Blaine, yeah, as you, as you brought up these questions today and this topic is one that I want to keep a constant of because it changes with season. And as I remember saying these words when I shifted from being single to being in a relationship of just how more aware I was of myself and my effect on other people. And then how that was just so much more true and more amplified when that became a marriage and how that more that true that's been with community, with family living close, and now a daughter, like it will keep presenting itself. And I think our choice is to engage it or not. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, guys. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we hope that you might send this along to someone in your world. I'm not asking for a five-star rating or a review, rather that 
if something about this podcast struck you that you might pass this off to somebody that you think would really enjoy it. Looking for more? Good news. There is a new issue of Anson's Magazine. If you're listening to this after October 10th, if it's before October 10th, you can just wait. And there's always the chance we might be late. Sometimes we send you guys over to social media to keep up with us, but so little really happens on social media now. That's kind of a moot point. And make sure you keep your eyes peeled for our films rolling out in the fall. See you guys next week.